Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, guys, to episode 32 of Dealmaker Diaries. Today, we have with us Dan Kryzanowski. Dan is an active capital raiser, equity owner, and passive investor generating double-digit yields and lower taxes via commercial real estate. Dan's investment portfolio includes 2,600-plus storage, storage units, 1,500-plus multifamily doors, and dozens of industrial, infrastructure, and residential properties. Dan has personally raised millions of dollars from accredited investors and family offices and empowered his partners to raise seven figures on multiple occasions. Dan is the founding vice president at Rocket Dollar, unlocking the $10 trillion pool of untapped retirement assets for the alternative investment community. He previously led commercial real estate initiatives for GE Capital in Mexico and South America. So let's give Dan a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. So Dan, welcome to the show. How are you today? Wonderful, Donald. It's a beautiful morning here in Austin, Texas, and a happy 2022 to uh, all of our friends out there. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So, so happy to have you on and share some of your insight and wisdom um, in the industry. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dan, um, I mean, you, you, you have a pretty interesting um, bio. I wanted to ask, how did, how did your career progress from um, Wall Street? Yeah. So, I, uh, you know, I grew up in Scranton, PA. Just spent the holidays there. Uh, my mom was a social worker. Um, my father passed a few years ago as a high school principal. So uh, I, I would say a great upbringing, but it wasn't really the, uh, as Robert Kiyosaki says, the rich dad side of the coin. Uh, and yeah, I think you see that with President Biden and folks joke about Scranton, PA. It, there, there is a bit of truth to that. Uh, but it did give me some, I'd say, good grit and such, which helped me in the latter stages. Uh, Pretty, I think a lot of like a lot of your older listeners, and I consider myself older, being over forty. Uh, I did the corporate thing, was with G Merrill Lynch for about a decade, and then of course when two thousand eight hit, that was I, I think the great awakening from the standpoint that although I did stay corporate a little bit, I, I realized that with my own time, my own money, uh, and particularly my retirement dollars, I just didn't want it blindly out there, uh, you know, with some mutual fund or some kind of company that everybody heard of but you cannot um, influence so for the past decade we made a conscious decision to move to Austin Texas and uh, I was able to you know kind of right place right time meet with some great folks and become an influencer in the self-directed community and also with our fellow real estate sponsors okay and um when was it did you move to Austin again yeah, so we moved in, I think it was April of 2011. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> as I said, the bottom of the housing market, everything else. And uh, Austin was still weird. So if we remember uh, Leslie, and he was our favorite downtown gentleman who I think always wore a thong and drove on a little bike all the time, uh, rest in peace. But 
you know, this was like to say the old Austin. When I remember, it seemed every building downtown was one or two stories. Uh, you know, the gentleman like Pike Powers who passed last year, these folks were still towards the end of their prime and around and you can meet them for coffee. So I just feel extremely fortunate that, uh, you know, I had that sort of boots on the ground and those ties that now it's folks come to Austin, especially or Texas, I can share some of those stories because uh, I, I do think it is important as opposed to, you know, we just becoming a commuter city or a straight tech city. I, I do think it's always important to think back to the roots. Absolutely. And what made you guys choose Austin? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, the easy answer is when I was with GE Capital, uh, I did a rotation here. So Ray Brimble uh, and the folks at Lynx Group, we had a tiny joint venture that we were doing airport real estate. Uh, but the fun answer is much like the show Friends, uh, six of us interned in New York City in the summer of 1999. Uh, one of my friends, she went to high school here. And I remember uh, flying down for a, a fun weekend on Lake Travis and seeing the UT home opener uh, in 2001. Now, fun fact is I remember going to the east side when it was truly the east side and uh, flying back with a big Elmo pinata, uh, which I thought was great. And, you know, because I think we were probably September, uh, you know, call it second, give or take a day, 2001. It was still kosher to, you know, kind of come on come and go as you please through the airport. So, uh, yeah, I, I had some people smiling at me in LaGuardia. And of course, uh, things, you know, changed very shortly thereafter. But uh, that was my first taste of Austin. And uh, also with my wife being from Mexico, this has been kind of, I'd say, a good midpoint, uh, you know, in terms of culture, weather, language, you name it. Okay. And let's, let's get into investors and re retirement vehicles. So how, how do accredited investors invest their IRAs once they have the freedom to invest in anything they want. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the awareness and education. And I'll preface that self-directed IRAs and SDIRA is kind of the Gatorade term in this space. Um, they've been around since the 70s. I mean, th these, are, these accounts have been around. Uh, that said, I like to joke, you know, they weren't country club pool because you're dealing with a lot of paperwork, scanners, fax machines, um, you know, I, I like to say some custodians were working government hours. It really wasn't in the spirit of, I feel, a true alternative investor, or particularly, to your point, a busy accredited investor, say a doctor that has a, you know, a heavy, a heavy workday. Um, so with that, uh, you know, I also learned of the solo 401k, which uh, for folks that are self-employed, I would strongly suggest getting to learn it, um, particularly as you, you know, gain revenue and start planning your retirement in 2022. And this is a similar account, but what I feel a lot more sort of bells and whistles. So I had the benefit of, uh, you know, over the past decade learning of these two. And then thereafter, and it's a broad set of accredited investors, but, you know, kind of whether it's say a realtor or somebody that's straight W2, uh, being able to educate, uh, you know, accordingly. Okay. And are any of your investors using these invest investment vehicles to go into syndications? Yeah, a fair number. Uh, you know, at BV Capital, we're fortunate that we have relationships with well over 600 accredited investors uh, and, you know, probably another thousand plus that we are getting to know each other. Uh, you know, well into the hundreds have a self-directed IRA. 
uh, or solo 401k. And also, I've, I've had the benefit to meet with other sponsors and syndicators. And for any of those folks listening, what I would suggest is on your monthly newsletter, um, on your deal webinar, is to share a simple sentence to your investor base to say, hey, folks, did you know you can use your retirement dollars to invest with us? Uh, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to say much more. Thereafter, whether it's one of the you know longtime custodians or a checkbook control provider such as Rocket Dollar, uh, you know it, it's going to be, I think, a big light bulb moment for a lot of folks. And then for the sponsors, also, I like to joke you can take Friday off because folks that have consistently shared that one sentence of messaging tend to get anywhere from ten to twenty percent of their raise from self-directed dollars. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. And is a, is, is a newsletter the only way you can, a syndicator can get the word out about that? How, how else will we um, communicate that to investors? Yeah, great question. No, it's a variety of, of ways. As I said, I mean, of course, you and I, I mean, we're doing a podcast. Uh, I, I love your YouTube channel. There's, there's multiple ways in communication. So uh, I would say whatever your running rhythm is. So let's take email, of course. Everybody, most sponsors send at least some sort of email communication. Uh, whatever your regular communication is, particularly if it's monthly or quarterly, uh, I would suggest in you know a little section to say one or two sentences to say, hey, folks, you know, did you know you can use your retirement dollars? And then if you want to get a little more savvy to say, you know, if you are self-employed, uh, you know, i.e. realtor, 1099 employee, uh, you could use those dollars to contribute up to, you know, 50 something thousand in 2022. So, you know, that's kind of a fun, bold faced headline. Now that said, I would probably have it hyperlinked back to, uh, you know, for example, rocket dollars, knowledge base, or, you know, maybe a custodian's article on it that talks a little more into the details, but yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, and then also just on the, on the Q&A section, what, what I suggest is for many sponsors, because uh, listen, a lot of us work corporate, a lot of us have a side gig, you can open up an SDIRA or solo 401k. I would suggest opening that up. Uh, and especially one of the rules in these self-directed accounts is you cannot invest in your own company or your own deal, uh, nor your children, nor your parents, your linear family is off limits. So with that, I find myself investing with my colleagues, my fellow sponsors and vice versa. So then when you go back to your investor base, it's not just something that you blindly put in the newsletter. Uh, it's something that you have actively used yourself. Okay. And uh, there's a well-known thing about you over the past 18 months, well, within an 18 months span, you spoke with over 500 sponsors and syndicators. Um, what did you learn from speaking to them in that in that time span? Uh, a lot. So I, I think there's two 18-month time spans. The one I would say is prior to COVID and then another 18 months kind of plus COVID when we were pretty much virtual. So I might have to bump that number up to 1,000. But, you know, what I really learned is um, I call it the happy triangle uh, in real estate here. So, you know, one is... Uh, the sticks and bricks, the folks that have been in construction, have been getting their hands dirty. I have tremendous admiration. And plus, I think it's a very important skill set uh, due to delays in supply chain and otherwise to have folks that have, you know, literally uh, refurbed or built something before. Uh, so I, what I realized is somewhere on your team or on your syndicate, 
you need a strong sticks or bricks person or somebody that has very close relationships. Uh, the second part of the triangle, I like to say, is the banker type. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, as it sounds, somebody that's, that's uh, aware of some of the legalities, uh, that might know about some of the tax advantages, that might have relationships with the, the lending community. Uh, that obviously is, is very strong. And then finally, at the top is the, the marketing side. So just like you and I, uh, are you communicating the message? Do you have to educate? Uh, a simple example I give is, well, if uh, multifamily is something everybody can understand, everybody lives in an apartment complex. Uh, but if I say something like industrial, you know, there's probably a little more education that goes behind it. People might have a different opinion of that. So, uh, you know, from that side, particularly if you are in an asset class, and I think self-storage, call it five, 10 years ago, is a great example. Uh, you have to provide that education. So what I learned is from these thousand conversations is kind of that triangle and there's, there's different subsets within that ultimately everybody has a very strong superpower um, and I feel the superpower they have is you know, exponentially better than you know, a lot of the things that I may have. So now I have these relationships to reach out when I have a quick question. And then, of course, the final cherry on top is with other asset classes, other geographies. And once again, going back to my personal self-directed IRA and solo 401k, I now have you know, really good insights from a diligence perspective with whom I want to invest personally. Okay. And over your time span investing, um, what's the most surprising investment you've heard of someone making? <laughs> and yeah, do you think it's going I, to pay off? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, and I always like to preface that my initial investment, uh, was in a comedy tour. Ha ha. Uh, really? <laughs> we still thought comedy. Yeah. We still thought comedy tours and DVDs were going to be popular in 2010, 2011. Uh, so I think my wife still, you know, nudges me cause I was sitting there with her and I'm like, sweetheart, uh, hope you enjoy the show. Cause these might be thousand dollar tickets, which, you know, <laughs> ultimately it was a pretty nice, pretty nice tax write off. So, uh, if that would have worked out, it would have been a great story. But, you know, haha, the joke is on me. Uh, and on the real estate side, I like to be upfront. I, I thought I was savvy enough to kind of play lawyer. Uh, a gentleman, when I talked about the triangle, I, uh, when we were pregnant, I was in, you know, called Collective Baby Bliss. And uh, a gentleman was a one man shop. Uh, I thought I was doing a three month hard money loan. It ended up being a 18 month plus, uh, you know, not so fun experience that I was extremely Ouch. fortunate to to still get out at 70 cents on the dollar. But I would say that was a real world sort of MBA. Uh, and once again, going back, it's just tough when you're a one person shop. It helps to have that kind of, I call it like triangle support. Uh, but going back to your big question, I think outside of kind of my, my personal side, uh, a friend of mine, he was a pilot, traveled the world, uh, you know, over time, had a million dollar 401k and said, you know what? I'm going to buy a condo in the Caymans with his personal money. And then I'm going to buy four more that I'm going to rent out to folks. Uh, so I thought that was something really cool that, you know, he literally has his whole retirement there and he's, you know, he's over, he's over the age, he's over 60 plus and he's just collecting checks and he can pull that money out without early withdrawal. And, uh, you know, Hey, you know, maybe he'll let me, uh, maybe I can rent from them or maybe he'll give me a, a nice, a nice grade <laughs> if I want to go down one day. So <laughs> that, that I think is the most fun. Yeah, if you can end up getting down there nowadays, right? With all the restrictions. Well, yeah. Touche, touche. 
Yeah, and regarding those comedy tours, I mean, I guess it depends on who's on tour, right? Because I think some of those probably could be pay off pretty well, just depending on who the comedians are. Yeah, and this was prior to the days of crowdfunding. And, you know, I, I, I would say that even now that, you know, crowdfunding is formalized and there's a lot out there, uh, it, it still doesn't guarantee in any way, shape or form that this is going to be, quote unquote, a good investment or you're going to get some money back. Uh, as I said, what I liked about it is it was the tangibility. So what I would share, and this kind of going full circle, a great benefit of the self-directed IRA or solo 401k, particularly when it's checkbook control, um, is that you can invest, like you say, locally or things you care about, a female entrepreneur, a personal loan. Uh, so as much as I say, hey, crowdfunding is great. You put 100 bucks with your buddy's restaurant. Um, you know, that's extremely, extremely passive. What I would prefer to say, you know what? I'm going to invest, you know, for example, $1,000 and in return, you know, maybe you get, uh, call it, you know, half price food or you get access to the room. So as we come back, mm-hmm. you know, the world comes back to normalcy. And especially in Texas, uh, when things are open, as you know, especially in Austin, uh, it's tough to get a room for an event and you might have to pay a few hundred dollars. So imagine if your $1,000 investment gave you access to, you know, a private room. So there's some kind of in-kind things that I can pay off that I know crowdfunding alludes to that a little bit. Uh, but when you do the true, you know, the personal investment, uh, particularly if it's local, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, benefits, even if the ROI doesn't really hit on the investment. Okay. And going back to, um, you had mentioned you were talking, you were talking to investors pre, pre-COVID and post-COVID. What do you think, um, stands out the most if you look at that now, if you look at that on a top-down view, talking to investors pre-COVID and post-COVID, what stands out the most? Yeah, I mean, let's think about what is still the same. Uh, I would argue, especially in real estate, uh, the music hasn't stopped. Uh, Or, you know, as they say, winter is coming. Well, it really hasn't come yet, uh, meaning that... uh, even if I'd say you're relatively inexperienced or maybe you did not do the best underwriting, there's still a pretty good chance that, um, you know, you're paying the craft that you shared and your valuation still looks like you're going to hit the IRR. That said, I think it's slowing, particularly with very low cap rates. So I, I do think in a, uh, you know, as I say, the, the curtain's going to be pulled on the Wizard of Oz for a few folks in the next few years. But for now, a lot of that, um, is the same. What I think is different, and I love how your initial question, Donald, was about uh, accredited investors. Uh, so I'll talk to some more of my left brain friends out there, folks that like to read the financial papers every day. Uh, there's no doubt there's a higher money supply. There's a concern about inflation. So I think the big difference now is folks say, hey, um, what's my upside on the deal? You know, even if it was, uh, you know, previously, if it was a waterfall, like an 80-20 and then a 50-50, meaning, say, the investors got 80% of the, the profit share up to, call it, 20% IRR, and then 50-50 thereafter, uh, you know, they they might want a little more than that. And then, you know, once again, the sponsor to say, hey, I have 10 deals. Where am I going to put my time and effort? Uh, you know, I might even put the waterfall more favorably in mind. I even know a few sponsors out there that are moving it to uh, the reverse, call it like a 2080 or close to a 0-100. And you can argue that's some sort of, you know, inflation hedge, which is, um, 
it's not bad. It's kind of like, you know, like uh, options that are way out of the money at the moment, but it, it, I'm starting to hear a little bit more of that. Uh, now that said, is that going to affect where people invest? It might. So I think if we have, we pick up this call, you know, another year, 18 months from now, it'll be, you know, how relevant has it been for these really, I'll call it extreme waterfalls at the moment. But that I think, uh, I know folks that would normally say, hey, I'm just, especially with my IRA dollars, I'm going to put in a chip, I'm going to earn, you know, X percent, get some back-end share that say, you know, my one buddy says, I want to share in the victory. I don't even care, even if you're going to pay me 20%. And, uh, you know, literally 20% of my money, I don't want that. I want a healthy piece of the IRR back-end because I think you're a good sponsor and then also the macro conditions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So as we say in Espanol, thank cuidado, you know, be careful kind of, uh, you know, who you're, who you're, who you're going to embed with. Absolutely. All right. So, and um, so Dan, our alternative assets and invested in those, what are you, give me some of your thoughts on those. Yeah. You know, alts uh, for folks that have been a, a stock bond mutual fund investor, uh, Alts are everything we talked about already, Donald. I mean, you know, everything from a you know multifamily real estate, industrial self storage. Uh, within the real estate, I think storage still is considered you know a niche, but it's kind of like I think it graduated from the niche category. Uh, industrial is obviously not a niche, but it hasn't really got headlines, so people might put it in there. And of course, you know, RV parks, mobile, those are, those are pretty sexy. Um, I personally like uh, startups, or call it real estate tech, prospect companies that um, are going to support the broader real estate community. So once again, uh, if you consider startup investments uh, in alt, that's, that's something that uh, falls into that category. And then the final thing I, I would suggest is that especially with a self-directed IRA or solo 401k is you have access once again to invest in your community. You can do private loans, uh, which, you know, once these, this is obviously not stocks and bonds. These are true private investments. So I think that would fit in the alt category also. Okay. And then moving on to niche commercial real estate, land, industrial, self-storage. Mm -hmm. What are some of your thoughts on those? Ooh, I love it. Um, what's Mark Twain said? Uh, my land, there's not, there's not more of it. And uh, you know, I, my my buddies at Acre Trader, uh, they underwrite very conservatively, but they've had some fantastic returns in the 20s and 30s because I think folks see that. I mean, especially you know, if money can be printed, uh, I don't say on a, well, literally on a dime, but to the tune of trillions, uh, land is is solid. I, I I think it's a good investment and. Uh, and not to go doomsday, but, you know, if society changes a little bit, uh, it's good to have land. Uh, second, I think industrial, especially here in Texas, uh, you know, and, and industrial spans everything from, you know, as people would think a warehouse, uh, but also you got to think it's the ports for third-party logistics. It's the companies that make stuff. Uh, it's everything that goes into that last mile supply chain. Uh, and then it's other things like your typical industrial park campus with maybe 10 buildings, uh, even a showroom that I think construction folks, uh, contractors go into. All of this falls under the industrial category. So particularly a market like Texas with more people moving here, uh, there's just a huge, huge demand. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And then finally, self-storage. And trust me, we, I can spend an hour talking about this, but uh, for as much as self-storage has hit the headlines, uh, there's still meat on the bone. 
And for a long time, we talked about the four D's in storage with death and the divorce being the most common, but most recently there's been a fifth D. Uh, so going back to our discussion before of what's changed in the last 18 months, in self-storage, uh, I would call it decluttering. And what do I mean by that? Is that, you know, if, let's just say you're in a two and two apartment and you need a third bedroom. Well, guess what? Um, you can't find it. You can't find a, a three bedroom. You, uh, houses have been rented out forever if it's an Airbnb or otherwise. Uh, and houses are too expensive to buy. So what does that mean? You're effectively stuck in your two and two. So in case you want to feel like a hoarder with all your stuff, self-storage is a true need. Uh, whereas before it was more of a want. And I'm just not talking about crap. Uh, you know, I'm talking about, hey, it might be your kids' winter coats. It might be your tax documents. Um, so, you know, having kind of that peace of mind, I know you spend a lot of time uh, in Asia, uh, just kind of the cleanliness, even if it's a very small, you know, say dwelling, uh, I think you're seeing a little more of that in the States now that folks say, okay. And so it's not just, once again, the Christmas tree that you pull out every year. Although, trust me, we just put our Christmas tree back in storage. Uh, <laughs> but for, you know, I, literally, I, I think people make it, putting some economics, if you do find a third bedroom, that might be an extra 500 plus dollars a month, where storage, you know, might be 50 to 100. Okay. Very interesting. All right, and moving on, no taxes. So, which we all yes. like, no taxes and more, <laughs> mo more money faster. Give me some of your, give me your perspective on that. Well, first I will say, you know, because we're still, you know, uh, you know, we're still in the holiday season. I call it for a Valentine's Day treat coming up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so let's talk the more money faster and you could get both. So once again, if you are, we, we touched on this earlier, is if you are, raising money it's literally as simple one sentence to say hey folks did you know you can use your retirement dollars to invest in this deal in my next deal um in other people's deals etc uh and that really gets more money faster so how does that play out for real okay one is let's say uh somebody just you know cuts you a check and they said oh yeah i would like to get more in this deal and then you say, oh, remember when you worked at this company? It's like, oh, yeah. Are you having an old Roth IRA? Sure. What's it sitting? I don't know. Sitting in cash. Well, hey, you want to earn 10%? Great. Boom. Move over. Uh, the true field of story, in my opinion, let's say you have, uh, and this will make sense, I think, for a lot of, uh, I think, you know, uh, the older Gen Xers out there, I just read, just crossed 55, is that uh, you may have retired uh, from your company. You've been at 30 years, but now you have two or three, three three kids in college, uh, you know, Donald, they listen to your, your discussions here and they want to invest in some of these deals, but you know, all this money is going towards tuition. Now that said, they probably have call it a million dollar 401k. So once again, that makes, that makes you accredited. So you have the ability now to invest in folks deals. So I share that. And I know many folks in the second half of life and career are becoming sponsors, raising money. It's a great thing to be aware of so you can share with your audience uh, to get that more money faster. Uh, the flip side, no taxes. So yes, ultimately, not to say that taxes, you, you will pay Uncle Sam. But I think it's kind of it comes down to the when. And it depends on your strategy. Uh, so for example, I feel uh, I've had enough reps that I'm a pretty savvy alt investor. Uh, I would much rather you know, pay taxes on the seed 
today and not the forest in 20 years. Uh, so Peter Thiel hit the headlines last year because, you know, his call it, you know, dollar investment into PayPal turned into 50 million and then he invested now it's 5 billion and he's not paying taxes on the back end. Uh, yeah, I kind of think the same way. Uh, now that said, just as you're, let's say if you're a realtor and you have a rock star year or say if you already had a solo 401k open in 2021, now that you're doing your taxes, say, you know what? Um, I'm going to contribute the 19500 with my W-2 friends, but I'm also going to take 20% of my net earnings. So by this quick example, let's just use round number, say you get up to $50,000. So you're lowering your gross income, your AGI by 50K uh, for the 2021 tax year. So that's another, when I reference no taxes, uh, that's another thing that I share is that in the near term, you, you can do some very strong tax deferral. That of course on the back, and you ultimately pay with that. You know that could be when you're 70, 75, 80 years old, or you know something that you pass down as an inheritance. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then lastly, 20, 20, 21st century diversification. Yeah, this is a cool term, and I, I always want to say I took credit, but Henry Oshida, CEO of Rocket Dollar, I, I think, you know, he did share that first, and this was literally day one of Rocket Dollar when we were coming out of the womb uh, during South by Southwest in 2018. But, you know, the best way I, I think to share is, and you've been at some of these shows, and many of our listeners say if you're at a family office or true high net worth show, these folks in front of open doors will say, hey, guys, I only have 10% of my stuff in stocks and bonds. Everything else is in alts. Um, so when you think of that, and then you also, and I'll stereotype the Gen Z millennials that are on, you know, they're on crowdfunding, they're with crypto, uh, anything that is quick and easy, uh, transactionalized to invest, and not just, you know, your boring 60-40 stock bond portfolio. Uh, this is what we're naturally doing, I think, with our you know, I call it piggy bank checking account. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, being that we are one entity, we live one life, um, you know, unlike our parents where retirement was this thing way out there and you got to prepare differently. I think in terms of, you know, the, the pie chart has many more colors. So whether it's, and I think private real estate is a great piece, um, both in terms of where you're getting high yield. And then also where you're getting upside and some deals where you're getting both. I mean, that's probably that combination of those three is half of my portfolio. Uh, I feel giving back, not giving back, but investing in your community is very strong. Uh, I have loans to female entrepreneurs, uh, invest with a few, I'd say, strategically aligned startups. Uh, and then I, I think there is a, a slice for, not a big slice, but uh, depends on your tolerance. But once again, the spirit of 21st century diversification, I think having... Uh, a bit of exposure to crypto uh, is good in one aspect or another. Uh, and then, as I said, yes, of course, there's always room for stock bonds, a little bit of dry powder in there. So um, that's how I think the pie chart looks for, for folks going forward versus the whole, you know, 60, 40, set it and forget it. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Dan. And that's some very good stuff you've shared. So, before we hop off, I want to run you through the lightning round. Uh, here we go. Get into your head a little. What makes All you right. tick? So what, uh, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? Ooh, uh, I wish I was taking this call upstairs in my bathroom because we just laid them all <laughs> out. Uh, moving it from the office. But uh, 
so rich dad, poor dad, and I don't say that stereotypically like some folks do, but for me, um, I think it represents my path. As I said, I uh, had great benefit to do, you know, grow up in the 90s, do undergrad at Wharton, uh, be at big companies when Merrill and GE were still the best. Uh, it was a comfortable lifestyle, uh, but it wasn't really, I think, the abundance or wealth mindset. So, you know, I think that one has been... Uh, that one has been good. And uh, another one, I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, to Brian Perry, uh, a friend here in town. He just, you know, self-published his own book. It's called Eternity. Uh, the cover is kind of like, I call it like a cheesy twilight sort of photo in a way. But uh, it was the first time in a while I sat there and just read a book head to toe for great character development. So uh, I always think it is good to, um, you know, kind of get out of the headline books and, uh, and all of that. So, uh, you know, shout out to my buddy, Brian. All right, Brian Perry, I'll look for that one. Yeah, and you're definitely right. I mean, I think I think so many of us in this space, um, rich dad, poor dad, probably set us on the path, right? Yeah, just being aware, being aware that it exists. And once again, I, I was guilty that I didn't really hear of it till I think maybe five or six years ago. Uh, and actually, how I heard it was a gentleman that he was on Oprah, you know, dating myself for the younger folks the year 2000 because of the his introduction and relationship with with robert and i thought that was really cool um and sure i've read the book but even so i i always like to make folks aware of the headlines and it's amazing when i go back to you know my friends that work to ge or even my you know my working buddies that are probably as they say make more noise than god uh but they're still not aware of this they're still hacking putting in tremendous hours on my like, guys like uh, you don't have to do this. Like, you know, like literally, you, trust me, uh, even if you don't have an SBIRA, you're sitting pretty, uh, but they just don't have the mindset for it. So uh, it's just it's just good to make folks aware that th this is out there and it could be done by anyone. Okay. And Dan, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Yeah. And I, I love this. Um, as I said, this, my first, when we had our baby bliss uh, and I did a hard money loan to a gentleman, but I thought this was going to be a layup and, you know, get a nice return on my money in three months uh, was a tremendous education. It was a humbling experience uh, from the standpoint that I assume, well, you know, if I'm investor, you know, number two, chronologically, I would get paid back that order. That doesn't play out that way, uh, you know, in the state of Texas. So I learned a whole lot of things. Uh, and also, I, I think from a spirit of, uh, you know, in that interim period before I really got a feeling like, wow, I might lose my shirt on this. I had late fees and everything baked in there. Some of that may have been driven by greed, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's all on paper, too. So it really didn't go anywhere. So I think with that, too, it's... Um, you know, always, even if you do have that opportunity to list all the terms, there's a certain point where like enough is enough um, or to try to be. So I think what kind of turned this around and why I ultimately got out at 70 cents on the dollar is I became a bit more collaborative towards the end to try to work with this gentleman. Uh, it still wasn't an easy pot. I still lawyered up, which I think was the right thing to do. But uh, you know, I had to say, yes, on paper, I'm making, you know, 4X or 10X, but we all know there's, you know, there's only cents on the dollar remaining. So uh, what is kind of the right thing to do here? So trust me, that was a huge humbling uh, experience. Okay. 
And if you can have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? <laughs> uh, I think you're making this easy to say, did you know you can use your retirement dollars to invest in my next deal? How about that? <laughs> yeah, nice one, nice one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, I think that would be it and not because I'm a, you know, a greedy old uh, Wartonite from the 20th century. But I, I think once again, kind of like in spirit of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, making folks aware that they can use a portion of their retirement dollars, particularly, um, you know, to invest. And I, I really stress the word invest in their community. Uh, I think is super powerful. And we've all seen the stats that, uh, you know, hey, you invest with uh, underrepresented uh, calendar or, you know, quote unquote, on the other side of the tracks, that money gets recycled three, four, five, six times uh, and can be, you know, frankly, even if it's something like a $10,000 check investment, that can really kickstart somebody in their business. So I, I've, I've been fortunate that um, an honor that I've been able to, and folks have, you know, frankly, trusted me to write them a check and to see just so many great things that they have done from it. So I, uh, I get great joy out of that. And, um, you know, I think people would also too. And then especially, you know, you don't have to wait to your 16, 70 to start doing all your retirement planning. Start doing it now while you're active and, you know, in this one life. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Okay. And what is your favorite place to think big? So I, I call it the, I think, uh, you know, Khalif, when he was on your, your show before, and I've heard him speak uh, kind of his morning routines and such, I just flip, I turn, I put my legs up the wall. I get the blood rushing back to my head. That's kind of my 5 a.m. routine. Uh, I get a lot out of that. Uh, even here, uh, I know we don't have the camera on, but I'm right by, uh, uh, we have a fountain where we live. And just the water in the background to kind of meditate, I, I think it's super powerful. And uh, for those in Austin, uh, I've been fortunate it's really close to Mount Bunnell. Uh, and it's a beautiful place to kind of watch the sunrise come up. I, I think it's a good thing at all seasons, too, just to, um, to get a feel with it. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of three of my, you know, my, call it my daily, weekly, and uh, monthly routine. Okay, cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right, and just a couple of more, and we'll be able to get off. So, what have you become better at saying no to? I I think of who I. Can I put this? I think of my schedule, not who I would speak to, particularly if if folks are looking for guidance, or you know, if they. Say somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, you know, I heard Jim Donald speaking. Yes. I mean, first of all, that, that's that's tremendously, uh, it's a true honor for me that somebody would want to speak and give advice. And this could be somebody that's 25, you know, or 55 just through a divorce and has no money and not a creditor. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to share that sort of education. Um, so, you know, for me, that's uh, what I would say, though, I think... Uh, and my techies out there, I'll get this kind of in the spirit of agile, planning your calendar. So one thing going back to earlier, when we talked about what did I learn from talking to these 500,000 sponsors? A lot of them have a very savvy calendar link of what you can sign up for and when. So for example, um, the last Monday of the month, I do four mentor calls with what I consider capital factories, finest startups. So I do about 50 men mentor calls, but it's in a dedicated time. My headspace is there. 
I'm making intros on the fly and taking notes. It's very powerful. So uh, what I'm saying no to, I think, is just having a true open schedule, to be honest with you. Um, uh, especially, as I said, it has to be for my headspace. And there's also, uh, you know, the nice thing about being, uh, you know, doing what we do is you can control your schedule. So in the spirit of agile, I kind of think of everything in two hour blocks and, uh, yeah, whereas before just being kind of an open door and, you know, frankly, that probably wasn't fruitful or, you know, truly fair to the folks on the other side. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, very good stuff, Dan. Very good stuff. So, yeah, I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing your insights. I mean, I think you provided some very good good advice and wisdom for our listeners. Wonderful, my friend. And uh, I appreciate it. I just want to say happy birthday to my mom. And it's also my uncle and my aunt's birthday. The latter two uh, have passed on, but it was always cool to, uh, for those that watch The Office and Scranton, yes, there is a big restaurant that looks like a pirate ship. And they give you a free meal <laughs> on your birthday. So, uh, you know, uh, just something to think about when, when you do the tour back to the homeland. All right. Yeah. Tell all those guys happy birthday. And, um, and Dan, before we hop off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or collaborate, what's the best way for them to um, get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn is great. As I said, I, I actually do read all the incoming, uh, you know, on the invite or the direct message saying that, uh, you know, you met through Donald that we, we heard here. Uh, that's, you know, you'll be prior number one to my list for sure. And we'll have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And uh, I know we're past the holiday season, but, you know, in, in the spirit of giving, I like to joke, if you can spell it, you can get it. Uh, D. Krizanowski. Uh, that will give you a nice little discount if you move forward with a Rocket Dollar account. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, Dan. So again, thanks for coming on. Um, I'll be seeing you soon when I'm back in Austin. But um, until then, take it easy and um, keep making that money work for us and your investors. Will do, my friend. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Yes, sir. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves. <laughs>